Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Father God, we ask you to manifest your son through the preaching of your word. We thank you, God, for your word. And we will not take for granted that which you've granted. You've given us this amazing text. And we say this is a door to the door. This is a way to know the person of the word. And we thank you, God, for its beauty, for its breadth, for everything it has for us. And God, we ask you now to move in power. Manifest the person of the word as the word is open today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> amen. Well, this is Grace Paralysis Part 2, but Part 1 was last week, and I'm going to go over some key thoughts from that. We shared about what grace is, and today will be about what grace does, okay? So defining grace is important because I believe a misunderstanding, a fundamental misunderstanding of the word grace has led the church to grace paralysis. Grace paralysis is where you don't do anything for God, or you sit back, or you don't fulfill an assignment from the Lord because you're saved, you're going to heaven, you got your fire insurance, and God loves you no matter what, so you don't need to earn his favor. While we don't need to earn his favor, we are supposed to walk in it. We are supposed to walk in his favor, amen? We're supposed to do something with our salvation here on the earth, amen? Come on, somebody. All right, so this is, these are some of the comments I shared. Dallas Willard has this great quote. He said, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Such an important distinction. You're not going to earn anything because the grace of God has already given you all things. But you're supposed to take action. There is supposed to be effort in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. I feel like I'm losing people by the quote. Let's keep going. Grace saves you. I share this. Grace saves you from working to gain God's favor, and it sends you to work in his favor. None of your good works, none of your actions, none of your prayer, Bible study, things like that, none of your giving to the poor, none of your giving to your, the t- your time at church or otherwise, change your relationship with the Father. You're always going to be good. It's a perfect, unbroken relationship. You know what your good works change? They change the earth's relationship with heaven. And because we want that, that kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we should get to work. Amen? We're not working to gain his favor, but we are working in his favor. Yes. Good. Grace is God's favor extended to us to bring us out of working for God and into working with God. Doesn't that sound awesome? Like you can go to work with God. Like make God your business partner and watch your business blow up, like in a good way, right? Watch it just explode. We got some business owners in here. David Fishman, raise your hand. This guy. Ask him about partnering with God for his business and what it's done. Can you testify to that? Amen. Ask that guy. He's doing it. You could go to work tomorrow with Jesus and become a better employee, become a more efficient worker, be the best one there, get a raise maybe. How about it? Come on, somebody. God, give me a raise. He's like, well, work harder. I graced you for more. No, but I just want more. There is more in you, and you got to do more. To... Sowing and reaping? Oh, God, is this just too difficult for a grace church? Like, are we just like, oh, no. No, this is important. It's an important distinction. 
So we need something to break us out of grace paralysis. And I'd like to propose to you, I proposed it last week, we need another dose of grace. <laughs> the solution for grace paralysis is more grace. And it's grace as seen in the crucifixion of Jesus, coming back to the cross. Being grateful for your salvation will break you out of grace paralysis. It will. Because your heart will move. It will move you to action, I promise you. Some of y'all just need to like straight up go watch the Passion of the Christ. If you're just apathetic towards, towards helping others, things like that, go get a vision of what he did to help you and watch what happens on the inside. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what grace is. Grace is supernatural empowerment to live like God on the earth. Did you know the origin of the human race is not fallen and wretched and wrong? It is like God and very good. Before the fall, there was a humanity created. We, we, we totally miss this in Christian circles, especially like uh, Protestant denominations, things like that. We miss the fact that God created humanity and then humanity fell. We have instead made the fallen humanity the expectation of our humanity. And we've made fallenness our goal. We have removed the actual, we've moved the, the score goals, however you say it. We've moved the end zone. We've lowered the bar and said, well, it's a fallen world. Well, you're not of this world. Uh, hello? And I'm not being a heretic. I've been called one for these positions. But go read your Bible. Genesis 1. Let us create the humankind. Adam is humanity. It's the people of the human race. Let us create the people of the human race in our image and our likeness. And he called them good. He said they're very good. So the original design of humanity is like God and very good. Jesus came to redisplay the full purpose of humanity. Jesus is the expectation of your humanness. I know, I'm throwing a lot at you. Just take a deep breath real quick. <sighs> you can do this, all right? Jesus should be the expectation. I'll say it a little more obnoxiously. Jesus is actually the low bar. Genesis, uh, John 14, 12. Any works that I do, you will do, and greater It's the starting point for the Christian life. I love Dan McCollum's quote. He says, the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. It requires a flow of God's power. Your life should make people go, how did they do that? What? There's no way a human being could do that. Even to the simple fact of the fruit of the Spirit, there's no way a human is that patient under that much trial. There's no way you're that kind under that much difficulty and angst. So you're right. You're actually right. There is no way I am. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. There's a God in heaven. He loves you. Let me tell you, your evangelism efforts get a lot easier when you're good at life. I know. Didn't expect amens on that. Like, if the church wasn't so broke, if the church wasn't so bad at stuff, maybe the world would be coming to us to ask, how do you do that? It's a prayer of my life that the grace of God will flow in such a way he would do something so magnificent through me that if I ever try to take the credit, everyone would laugh. 
It's a real prayer, I pray. Like, God, do something so big. If I tried to take the credit, they would laugh me off the stage. We're heading into five years of the resting place. And I can tell you that this has been a God journey. This has been a God journey. Do you know how impossible it is to do a startup church? Do you know how impossible it is to plant a church nowadays? You know how much the fail rate of this thing? It's crazy. You know how many pastors, 80% of pastors who start never finish. All right, people are leaving the ministry in droves. Church planting is like the worst idea on anybody's. Like, that is not going so well, especially not in the West. We are living in a post-Christian age. You understand? It is not easy to plant a church in America today. Is anybody else, like, watching the news? Are you following what I'm saying? Like, hopefully you have a grid for this. Do you know how impossible it is to have four campuses with four pastoral teams with four leadership teams and four different congregations operating in the Tampa Bay area right now under one banner and trying to go in one direction. You know how impossible that is? This is a God-sized result through partnering with our very big God. Amen? I could never do this. I don't have the skills. And the skills I have are constantly being redlined, Okay? I put a picture on my Instagram, like, one year into the rest of my life, I actually still had, like, black-brown hair. And then, like, last year, I noticed, oh, it's, like, turning white. It's crazy. This is a God-sized result, and I'm stoked on what Jesus has done through the resting place in five years. I really am. I really am. So, I believe that grace has been operating. I believe that grace continues to operate through this church, and that we need to partner with grace in a new way. And I'm about to share some things that you might not like, but it's not my opinion. So are you okay? Yes? We will be okay. Let's read Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. There's not a lot of sermons preached out of Titus because it's only a couple, couple chapters here. But this is what it says. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. Say training us training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Grace doesn't just save you, it trains you. And some of us are refusing to be trained in grace and leaning on our salvation for justification. It makes no sense. Is that the sound or silence of conviction or confusion? I can't, sometimes I can't tell if I've confused you or if you're being convicted. I don't know. Okay. Let's read it in a couple more translations. And hopefully it'll form up for you. Same verses in the Amplified. It says, For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf. Come on. To redeem us 
and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Come on. Enthusiastic for doing what is good. Not because it's going to gain us brownie points with God, but because he's poured his grace on us and we have his favor and we get to bring heaven to earth. These passages and others have been misused and abused to say, see, if you're not walking in godliness, are you even saved? It's used to doubt your salvation. I am not doing that. Hello? Is there anybody here condemnation for me? Because I'm not sending it. Are you hearing me? This is not condemning you if you're not walking upright, if you have habitual sin. This is compelling you. It's saying, come up here, come up now. The grace of God is there for you. You can do it. It's to cheer you on, not to condemn you or to make you feel bad about your life. I feel that right now. I feel like, that. oh, man, I'm screwing up. No, you're being called up. And it's not even your fault, man. You probably were never even taught this. You probably even never heard the book of Titus or preached from it for sure. I don't know. And maybe you never even read it. It's a very small book. You can easily jump over it. I don't blame you, you know. Let's read it in the Passion Translation just to help you understand it in another way. It says, same verses, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. That's Jesus, amen. Manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. It's available for everyone. You understand? Not everybody is saved. It's available. It's anyone who believes in him has the right to be called sons and daughters. It's about believing in him. This same grace, say same grace, teaches us how to live each day as we turn our back on ungodliness and indulge in lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Come on. Do you want to be passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes? You know what's beautiful in his eyes? Caring for one another. Helping the poor. Being a solution in the earth. Come on. You know, there's this problem in church and this problem in, in, in the West, really, that we get bought into idioms. We get bought into paradigms that are not scriptural. We get it bought into things that we just say it all the time. So we kind of get brainwashed into saying stuff that isn't scriptural. It's a misunderstanding like this one. Whenever you expect to fail or you failed, what do you say? Well, give me grace. Right? Anybody said that like this week? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Like we, this is like baked into the Western culture of the church. Oh, there's grace for that. You messed, you messed up. There's grace. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of grace. According to what I just told you, that's actually the cart before the horse. If grace were operating, you would have done it the right way. If grace were in operation, you would have renounced ungodliness and worldly passions, lived upright, self-controlled lives in the present age. You would have done the right thing. And I understand grace has to do with forgiving your sins, but it's not only that. It's an inept and secluded, narrow definition of grace. You know what it is? We've conflated mercy and grace. We've misunderstood them. We've conflated and confused them. I've said this so many times. Here's one of the idioms I want you to get, okay? That is scriptural, all right? 
Mercy is for your mistakes. Mercy is for your mistakes. Grace is for your godliness. Whenever you mess up, you say, have mercy on me, O Lord. Right? And you should ask others, give me some mercy right now. I really did not do that well. Or I'm having a bad day. I might do something badly today. Badly. (laughs) Poorly today. Just extend me mercy. That's a biblical construct right there. Okay. But grace, if grace comes in, there's no need to excuse yourself for wrongdoing. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve for doing something wrong. Right? Grace is when you get what you could never deserve no matter how many right things you do. (laughs) Like none of us will do well enough through our own skill, our own effort to get the God size empowerment that Jesus offers by the Spirit. Are you with me? Like, no matter how many good things you do, no matter how many right things you do, you're not going to do enough right things to get the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through earning. Are you with me? It won't happen. You won't get the grace of God. You won't get the God-empowered action, that, that flow through right doing. Amen? Amen. You're going to get that through the gift of salvation. That's why it says it ties it together. Salvation and training. Grace trains us. Say, grace trains us. Say a little louder. Grace trains us. Because of this verse, we, we have to. It says it trains us to do all these things. We got to slow down. We got to look at this word. Say, what does that word mean? Because we might have a different definition of the word, Greek word, train us. And this is where some of you will not like me, and that's okay. It's literally the Greek word that says to train children, to chasten and correct, to discipline, discipline, educate, train, and chastise. Helps Word Study says this is the word to describe a child under development with strict training. Properly to train up a child so they mature and realize their full potential and development. This requires necessary discipline and training, which includes, say it includes, administrating, administering chastisement and punishment. You know what the problem with our world today Problem with, I'm not getting political. I'm just looking at the landscape. Problem with America, America, is we've got adults who never got a spanking. Okay? we got adults who were never chastised. we got adults leading our country who never got rebuked or trained in grace. And there's a difference between abuse and rebuke. It's different. I'm going to define it for you, Okay? I'm not advocating abuse. Some of you have been abused, and I want to be sensitive to that fact. Amen? I'm not advocating that. But this word means to chastise, instruct, to learn, to teach, to train up a child. That word chastise, if you don't know, means to rebuke or reprimand severely. In the Thayer's Greek lexicon, which is a dictionary that goes into the like, common use of words and things like that, helps you get a picture of the whole thing. It says this word is used to chastise with blows. Yeah, pow, pow. Okay. (laughs) It also means, and you're not going to like this, to scourge, to break the skin. Yeah. Grace scourges you. You've never heard those words together in your life. (laughs) But that's what it says. Grace trains us. (laughs) It says this word is used of a father punishing a son for wrongdoing. Happy Father's Day. 
I'm on topic. I didn't even do that on purpose. I planned this before I even realized it was Father's Day. Hey, there we go. It's also used of a judge ordering one to be scourged. Wow. Does that redefine grace for anybody in here? <laughs> That's what grace does. Now, there's a difference between a grace-filled rebuke and a graceless reprimand. A grace-filled rebuke will always lead to change over time. Change in the right direction. A graceless rebuke will always lead to rebellion. Always. Always. I'm not advocating your parental plan. I'm not saying spank, don't spank. I'm saying if there is grace operating, it's good. Amen? Say we need it. We need it from the, our Heavenly Father, too. You need this. No matter what your upbringing was, no matter what your parents were like, no matter what your father was like or is like, you have a Heavenly Father who does this perfectly if you would submit to Him. Yeah. He wants to train you and develop you with grace so that you have the character to carry the call on your life. Now, nobody likes discipline when it's happening. Nobody's like, yes, Lord, scourge me. I look forward to this. <laughs> Hello? Right? But the result is pretty awesome. I had a dad who I have one memory of him losing his temper. I understand I'm the exception, not the rule. I understand I have a leg up on society because of my father. He serves in this church, for crying out loud. He's just amazing. I had the best dad ever. I have the best dad ever. I used to feel bad about that because I know everybody else's stories are not my story. But I've just been feeling like I need to celebrate it more. You know, I need to celebrate. We need to celebrate when fathers do well. Amen. And I have an amazing one. I have one memory of him losing his temper with me. One. I know that's rare. I know. And immediately after he did, he caught himself, went outside, sat on a bench, a little bench swing, came back in and looked me in the eye and said, Caleb, that was wrong. I'm so sorry. I didn't control myself. Please forgive me. And I'm like, <laughs> eight-year-old Caleb, like, oh, of course, you know, like, you don't even know what to do with that, but it was important. It marked me. Dads, get good at apologizing. Hello? Have mercy on yourself. Amen? I have a story. I'm thankful, though. I'm thankful that because of my father, not because of me, but what was passed down to, to me from my dad, I have way more wins than losses when it comes to disciplining my children. That's from my dad. I had such a strong example that I, it's almost my default is to do it the right way. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's not because I'm something great. I had such a strong example. The way he, he loved my mom, the way he gave himself up for her, the way he lay, laid down his life for all of us, I have just an extremely uh, amazing example. I often say if I'm 10% of the man my father was, I will be so pleased at the end of my life. So pleased. Thankful. <laughs> Thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you a story where I didn't get it right, just so that we feel like on level, all right? Because you're looking at me like, oh, wow. 
because this is a recent one too. A couple weeks ago, I just was having one of those days, man. You know those days, dads, where you're just over it? Everything stinks. Even if it's not bad, it feels bad. You're tired. You're overwhelmed. Anybody? Just me had these days? Anybody? Yeah, okay. So, yeah. It's just like, and I, I mean, I'm not excusing it. I'm saying I had some really hard meetings and hard things happening. I had more hard meetings the next day. All this stuff. Came home. Well, not the next day, but coming up. Came home, and my son's got the brunt of it. And I did not control myself in a grace-filled way. They were taking a bath, and I mean, this was like round number three of like, like almost bringing blood, like Shiloh. For somehow, I don't know what's happened, but Lord help me in my own household. But we named Judah Judah, and that means loud shout of praise. And Shiloh means peace. But somehow Judah is the gentle one, and Shiloh is kind of like, he's the rough and tumble. Like, I will, I will hear screaming, run in the room, and Shiloh is just punching Judah right in the face. Just, yeah. He's three years old. He's learning his boundaries. He's learning his body. I mean, just boom. One time I came in, he's got a hanger, and he's just like slanging this hanger. It was a plastic one. I'm like, no! <laughs> you know? And you know what it would be so unloving of me to do? Go, hey, stop that. Stop it, boys. I love you. Daddy loves you. Please stop. That's what the world wants, to emasculate men. I know I got long hair, but don't get confused. I'm not. Ask my wife. I meet these moments with severe physical altercation. I'll put it that way. <laughs> For all your sensibilities. Severe physical altercation. Here's what happens. If he does not stop when I bring out the dad voice, either one of them, they both do wrong things, right? I'm not just saying. I'm picking on Shiloh here. But this situation, this was happening in the bathtub. Like Shiloh is like, punching him. Judah is like running and throwing monster trucks at him like, like grenades, metal, like metal toy monster, like, like chucking them at him. That's what I walk into, you know, I hear it from the other room. But usually what I'll do is I say, I bring out the dad voice and I'll go, stop it. I go, boy, stop. And it's supposed to have that result. <laughs> oh my God. And if they do not, like Shiloh, he'll like He'll be swinging. I say, stop, and he won't. I get in his way and stop him. You understand? And I get in there, and I grab his arm, and I might do something else with my other hand at the same time. Who knows? We send them to timeout, and they know. And you know what they come out of those situations in? 99% of the time, after timeout, after they're done crying, after they're done being mad, they come to me, and they go, Daddy, I love you. I'm sorry. They come out apologizing. I'm training them in grace. But this bathtub time, this was a graceless one. <laughs> Straight up. I was so over, man. I was so over the edge. I just, I came in. They heard me before they saw me, okay? And it wasn't my voice. The bathtub is like the door opens to the bathtub. So I'm coming in the bathroom, and I just went, slam. I like, <laughs> the door with my hand, so that it hit the bathtub, you know, and they're in it. These boys, like, they went, you know, they 
fear came in their eyes, and I screamed at them. I did. I'm confessing my sins to you right now. I screamed at them. I lost my temper. And Shiloh, Judah even said, and I say this to my own deep regret, but I want to share these details with you. He even says, Daddy, I'm scared. And I said, God, that was wrong. That was wrong. They went to sleep before I got convicted about it. <clears throat> I mean it. Like, I didn't feel bad about it until after they went to bed. <laughs> is it okay I tell you the truth, or do you need me to polish this up for you? Like, read your Bible. It is not an easy read, dog. There's some real stuff in there. <laughs> so they're asleep. I start to feel bad about it. And I have to go to a conference the next day really early, and it's a men's conference. How to be a godly man. <laughs> And I'm like a guest of one of the speakers. So I'm down front in my suit, like on the front row, having to go, amen, amen, all this stuff. Like just feeling like, oh, conviction is, I'm like, I need to go home right now. I almost left early. I didn't. And as soon as I got home, I took my boys, because I know something about reversing trauma. I took them. I said, hey, guys, come with me. We went to the bathtub. And I put them in that bathtub, and they're like, why are we in here? The water's not on. We have our clothes on. Well, Judah had clothes on. Shiloh, who can barely keep clothes on. It's like, we're taking a bath. I'm like, no, 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 we're not taking a bath. Why are we in the bathtub? I'm like, listen, listen. Like, there are all these questions. There are a million questions. It's wonderful. I love it. And I get down on the level. I get on my knees right in front of them, eye to eye. And I say, hey, you guys remember yesterday when I hit the door and I shouted and scared you? They're like, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Hard to forget, you know. And I just looked at him in the eye and said, that was wrong. And daddy's so sorry. We have a, a way, the hires way. I encourage you to do this. You need to have your own, like, mission statement or mantra in your house. I have one. The hires way is this. We honor everyone. We never give up. We always be thankful. And we go with Holy Spirit. Yeah, that fourth one was my son Judah. He was like, I had the three. And he goes, and we go with Holy Spirit. Like, when I told him, I'm like, Phew. I said, like, that'll preach. Yes, sir. Let's go. My Baptocostal came out. I said, yes, sir. It's added. We have four things, not three things. So I said to him, I said, that was not going with Holy Spirit. God was not happy about that. Holy Spirit would not lead me to do that. Please forgive me. Like, they fall on my neck. Oh, we love you, daddy. We forgive you. And Shiloh goes, well, I'll always love you, even if you make mistakes. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for conviction. Thank you, Jesus, for disciplining me. Thank you for sending me to that conference and scourging me. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness. I feel regret in the room, and I want to break that right now. The best time to plant a tree is 100 years ago. You know what the second best time is? Right the heck now. So in the kingdom, he restores all that was lost. He restores that which the locusts have devoured. So whatever your history is, dads, sons, daughters, mothers, whatever it is, he can do more than just replace it. He can restore it if you start now. Amen? So I say shame off you. Shame off you, men. Shame off you, parents. And I ask Holy Spirit, let healing come right now. 
Holy Ghost, let healing come. Heal the heart wounds that we've even been the perpetrator, perpetrators of. Heal them, Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm not done. I'm actually halfway done. I'm going to do the rest really quick, all right, because I know you got barbecues and stuff, all right? I put all the words together, like all the definitions. Are you ready for this? Grace chastens, corrects, develops, disciplines, instructs, educates, punishes, rebukes, reprimands, and scourges us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Amen. The heavens are confirming the word. It says we're called to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Is that a little different than like, oh, when we all get to heaven, everything will be perfect, and I'll be perfect, and until then, I just kind of suck? Anybody seeing how we've lowered the bar on what grace does? Christian maturity looks like enthusiasm for good works. That's what maturation looks like in the Christian walk. You love to do good things. Amen? Look at this. The result of our training and grace is we're zealous for good works. I have multiple witnesses for that. Look at James chapter 2, 14 through 18. This has been used to talk about salvation and predestination. It is not that. It's that's way out of context. This is what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You've got to take that out of the conversation of salvation. That's where it's used. It's talking about the outflow of faith. If you're truly in the faith, you know, the Bible says test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Look at your fruit. (sighs) These works are empowered by the grace of God and working with God to bring heaven to earth is the fruit of grace taking roots in your life. You wanting to see people who are hurting healed. You wanting to see the poor, you know, provided for. You wanting to serve at church. You wanting to give your time, your talent, your treasure to others, to give it away. That is the fruit of grace taking root. It's not works unto grace. It's works of grace. Ooh, that was good. That was better than my notes and better than your amen. Amen. We need to take our grace supplements here. Did you know that there's a supplementing of your faith? I call them grace supplements. It's first, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 10. Read this with me. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that you, through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, say this reason. For this very reason, make every effort. Do you hear the word effort in the scriptures? Make every effort to supplement your faith. Wow. Yeah, you need to take your supplements. It doesn't say source it. It doesn't say start it. It says supplement it. Yeah? Like it... Some of y'all think meal replacements are meals. They're not meals. 
Like those drinks and those shakes and stuff, those aren't meals, people. You are under, you have a lack of nutrients going on. You got to have a meal and then you supplement the meal with those kind of things, right? So there's something there in place already, your salvation, and now we're supplementing it. We're not creating it, we're supplementing it. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This keeps you out of grace paralysis right here. For whoever lacks these qualities, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Did you hear that? There's a path to 100% success rate. (laughs) Man, we have such a low view of the Christian life. We have such a low view of the power of God to operate in the human race. And therefore, we have a low view of what Jesus has done for us. I'm trying to up your Christology. I'm trying to up your view. I'm trying to bring it up to a new height, to the height of Scripture, and say, what he has done is so powerful. You're able to live like him now. And it should be your expectation. Husbands and wives, stop saying, you always do this, and start saying, that's so weird that you did that. Change the expectation. Take your supplements. Would you stand? I'm coming straight at you because this is what, just, I hope it's okay. But, like, I'm using the dad voice today, (laughs) okay? We need to let the father use the dad voice sometimes, amen? And we need to stop running from the thing that's going to train us. Instead of running from him, get on the treadmill of grace, amen? Let him train you. Oh, Jesus. So we're going to have our prayer team, our altar team down here. We have pictures and stuff like that for the dads. Make sure you do that. Get your hot sauce and all the things. But I want to pray right now that there would be a release of grace. And if you're here and you're like, man, I need to get on the, on the treadmill of grace, just commit to that in your heart. Take your supplements. Start walking with God in these ways. So, Father God, we ask you to send us now. Send us by your grace to be on mission for your kingdom. We ask you to keep our hearts in line with your promises, in line with your utterances. Let your voice be the loudest voice in our life. God, would you show us the ones around us who we need to be good for, those who are hurting, those who are broken. Come on, somebody say, show me the broken. Let's break out of selfishness, God, to share not just our faith, but our very lives with others. Lord, let us be moved with compassion as we see those around us. And God, help us to be those who bring communities together and not scatter them, to break down dividing walls, to be those who are a voice of comfort in uh, turbulent times, Lord Jesus. And show us, God. Train us. Give us a reason for why we believe what we believe. Give us insight and wisdom into your word. Open our mind to your word. Come on, would you pray that? Open my mind to your word, Lord, that I might walk in your ways. Open my mind to your word that I might walk in your ways. 
Guide us, correct us, teach us, and lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, I pray right now that if there's anyone here who does not know you, who does not know your saving grace, they would be unable to leave in Jesus' name. If you're here, we're not going to raise our hands or anything. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't received his forgiveness for sins, why would you continue walking in condemnation? Why would you continue walking in this God-hates-me paradigm? Why not come home? Why not come home to the Father and let him change you from the inside out? If you've been going to church for years and you said a prayer, but nothing changed on the inside, I would ask you, are you ready? Is today the day of salvation? Today is your day, I declare it in Jesus' name. And you're to come over here, move your feet. Don't go that way out the door. Go this way to our prayer team. They will lead you. They will lead you to Jesus, the real Jesus, the one that changes you from the inside out. If you've never been changed, I doubt that you met the real guy, the real Jesus. That's my line in the sand. I'm not being harsh. I'm trying to keep you out of hell. Amen? Come on. So don't leave. I refuse to not have an altar call every time in some way, shape, or form when I preach. So Lord, we thank you for salvation today. We thank you for rededication today. We thank you for your grace-filled rebuke. Come on, somebody say that to the Lord. Thank you for your grace-filled rebuke. Thank you for you training me in grace. Lord, break us out of all paralysis and break us into every broken place so that we can be the light that you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a really loud amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.